Welcome to TA1. I'm your host, legendary Randy Erickson. We have another not adventure race episode this weekend, but uh, Ryan was really fun to talk to, and I think uh, there's a few little crossovery things with adventure racing, kind of in the team thing, and uh, I don't know, being out in the desert. So <clears throat> it he's very fun to talk to, and had a lot of interesting things to say, and. Uh, has that drive and, and want to get stuff done like a bunch of you nutty people out there. So hopefully you'll give it a listen. And um, if you're from the motor, motor side, um, you'll find it really, really interesting. A couple others that aren't specifically adventure racing. But uh, hey, you might like to listen to what adventure racers say. So anyway, hey, that's like promotion for me. Uh, not much else going around here. Working with Paulette and Jesse on the Rebel Rally. And uh, we have the uh, GoFundMe set up. I'll put a link in there. Um, you know, you could, you could kick in a little bit now, and then you can ignore it when I go wide with it and try to, try to squeeze money out of turnips. So... Uh, probably shouldn't say it like that, but anyway, uh, got that going, so I'm getting to do some, some nav training with her, or when she gets back, so keeping my hand in it a little bit, other than we're uh, learning lat and longitude, and it's like, why can't they just use UTMs, make life so much simpler, but um, <clears throat> yeah, kind of fun. Anyway, uh, let's uh, hear what Ryan has to say and uh, go fast, take chances, and uh, be careful and have fun and wear a mask. So thank you. Peace out. Bye. Can you hear me? Hey. Oh, there you are. Okay, let me see. Okay, yep. I don't know if I have my camera on. But you don't. I can shut see. mine off. I don't care. Oh, it doesn't matter. Um, it's fun to see you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. There. Where am I at? Right here? There you are. I see you. No. The the only problem... You don't have pants I'll be... No. No, I actually do. <laughs> I have shorts on. Um, All right. Good. No. The only problem is I look over here because you're on this monitor. So, oh, I got you. All right. <laughs> so I'm I'm not looking at not you. So, okay. Well, I was a little bit late because I was watching the uh, opening scene from Baby Driver to get in the mood. Oh, nice! I actually <laughs> just watched that movie for the first time a week or two ago. It's pretty legit. Yeah, that's some some serious. I think it was Tanner Fouts did the driving for it. A lot of it. Well, it's funny. I actually just met uh, some people that worked on it. Uh, some other people that we rallied with uh, as a stunt coordinator and a, a stunt, uh, well, a stunt woman, I guess. Yeah. So, so you know, they use that rig where they're sitting on top. I mean. Yep. Y- you know that my adventure race people don't know that. <laughs> Right. Well, they've got the one where they sit on top, and then the other thing I think they used in that movie was the motorized trailer. 
where the yeah. Subaru sits on top of the trailer and they drive the trailer around. Uh, but it's not really a trailer. It's a, uh, you know, a driving platform. Yeah. So, but how hard would that be to sit, to be on, on the roof of a car doing those, those stunts? I know, right? Because you're you're at the top of the lever. Everything is just yeah. leaning back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably a lot like like uh, riding in a trophy truck, actually. Oh, that's true. Oh, see, look at we yep. we figured it out. So, um, yep. inter- introduce yourself. Oh, are we recording now? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> see, you, well, you don't. You've never. Glad you're wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, I've, uh, I've had so, episodes where the uh, secretary has answered the phone, and I've kept that in. So, right. Well, I I don't have a secretary, but I'm at home, and it's um, bedtime for the children. So there is potential that a small child may run in here at some point. We'll see. Yeah. Well, isn't that uh, that that's that's the new normal now? Well, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Although, I mean, that's I don't know. I think it's impacted other people more than it has us because my wife you know, already homeschools. And, uh, so we weren't impacted quite as much as everybody else, thankfully, but I feel for all of those that just kind of got thrown into the, the pot of boiling stew. Yeah. Really? So yeah. I mean, I'm like you, it's, I'm like, well, I've been wearing a mask, but other than that, nothing much has changed for me. Right. um, Okay. So now introduce yourself. All right. So my name is Ryan Scott. I know, what else do you want to know? <laughs> I guess that's what yeah. this discussion is about, right? That's right. We're gonna find. We're gonna find out who the hell is is Ryan Scott, and why would I want to talk to him? Right. I know I want to talk to you because they have gotten the wrong one. There's a lot of us out there. Um, Ryan, actually, Ryan so, Scott, twenty three. Right. There's a lot of. Them. <laughs> I I just replaced a, a drive axle in my wife's car, and I had a, a rally this past weekend. And so I did the axle and I did motor mounts and I did a timing belt kit and all this kind of stuff. And I had timed everything out just right to where the axle would show up and I'd have just enough time to put it in before I left. And because uh, the guy didn't have one sitting on the shelf, I, I went through Raxel down in Florida and Marty down there is awesome. But he accidentally made a mistake and he had another Ryan Scott who is a customer and he happens to live in Virginia and wouldn't you know it, uh, he rushed my order out like I asked, but he sent it to the wrong Ryan Scott. So mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I got the axle a week late, and yeah, turns out yeah. it's not to have a common name. <laughs> you know, that's so, when, when everybody started, you know, when everything started going online, I was real lucky because with Erickson spelled S-E-N, I've, I pretty much got my name for everything. I right. no numbers. None of that stuff. So yeah, yeah. Of, somebody it. told me once that there's an Australian porn star with my name, but I was afraid to look it up. <laughs> the only other one that used to have, and he used to come up when you Google, was a uh, biologist for Alaska Fish and Wildlife because he wrote a lot of papers. But yeah, that's not bad. Yeah, but I've overtaken him on Google, so uh-huh. I'm, yeah. I'm safe. And I and I can use legendary. If I tell people Google legendary Randy, I I come up. Right. So, I beat I beat uh, Randy Couture and Randy Moss. Really? Yeah. Well done. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you just put a billion things out there. Right. So you are a driver. 
I'm a driver, I'm a co-driver, I'm a coach, I'm uh, a little bit of everything. Yeah, entrepreneur, uh, (laughs) wanting to get into stunt driving, which is, you know, how I met this guy. Well, I've always wanted to do that. And then I met the guy at the rally and I'm like, hey, this could work out. So we'll see. (laughs) Okay. There's a lot of interesting uh, things going on today. Excuse me. Um, One, next year's Baja schedule came out. Yeah. Did you look at it? Yeah, it's kind of... They bumped the 500 up like six weeks Yeah, and pushed the 1,000 back, uh, I think, a good two weeks. Yeah, it's like got to be after Thanksgiving now. Yep, it is. It's on the 4th. So um, so you're you're dealing with stunt coordinators getting into that. I actually, I actually pitched a TV show today. Did you really? <laughs> sort of. I know, I know a gal who's a producer and uh i'm like you know i know two rookies that are doing the rebel rally maybe you should uh, look at that yeah absolutely she responded and said that looks interesting so <clears throat> so how do you, how do you meet stunt coordinators <clears throat> well so we were in an event uh in michigan last month it was the first rally back i think in the world actually i think that was the first event since things had kind of opened back up and uh, I was working on my notes in the service truck and overheard people talking. And it was all I could do to like basically drown out the conversation because it was really interesting. <laughs> but I had work to do. <laughs> um, yeah. But anyway, after the event, you know, you sit around waiting for the awards and all that kind of stuff. And so I had an opportunity to talk to them. And I mean, I don't know if anything will come of it, but they're both really cool people. And uh, we had they were they were nice enough to let me talk their ear off for a couple hours just bombarding them with questions and because uh, it's something I've been interested in forever. If you, I don't know, are you much of a reader? Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, if you get a chance, Hal Needham, he's the guy that oh. uh, directed Smoking the Bandit and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, yeah. He was a stuntman and I read his book a handful of years ago. And uh, so I, I just got to bombard these two with all these questions and uh you know, have since then put together a stunt resume and all of that, and we'll we'll see if anything ever comes of it. Uh, if nothing else, you know, might as well try, right? But yeah. unfortunately, with COVID, everything, all the productions are shut down. So, you know, who knows? Well, okay. Here's the silver lining: when everything starts back up, there's going to be a zillion things going on. Right. Exactly. So, yeah. No. Um, yeah, I, I'm. I I know Hal Deedham from the day. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to remember how old I am. Greatest <laughs> well, book, Stuntman. I actually have my copy of it right here. You can see it. Um, it's cool. It's, it's a really quick read, but it, it's really yeah. interesting. Sort of like Jensen Button's book was a quick read, <laughs> which it, it's actually really good. But it, um, I, I need to print it out because I read everything on the Kindle. Yep, I, and. Uh, I think it is 10, 10 rules of how to be a race car driver. Yep. Rule num- rule number five is to take care of your your crew. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, you're baiting me. <laughs> <laughs> so. No, I mean, I, I don't have anything against him at all. He was uh, wonderful to work with. Uh, it was very interesting. I mean, I've been around 
um, you know, some really high profile people, people of, of uh, we'll say high net worth and all of that. Um, but it was, that's maybe the first time I've been around anybody who is the best in the entire world at one particular skill set, yeah. right? And has spent their entire life focusing on that one thing. And it was, yeah. it was really enlightening. Uh, but yeah, he's obviously a very, very talented driver. Uh, Baja was, uh, very new and uh, eye opening to him and his, yeah. his buddies that came down. Uh, but, um, he has the right mentality to, to embrace it and just go with it and, and have fun and make the best of it. Uh, some of the other people, not so much. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I hope he sticks around because, uh, you know, obviously there's a pretty steep learning curve from, you know, Baja compared to F1. Uh, but I think he has what it takes to, you know, to do well, if nothing else, to, you know, to have fun. Yeah. Can, do you see that in somebody like that and some of those other people that you met? Can you Do you see that really all they would need is uh, <clears throat> not even the time, but the really kind of like the desire? It's like, so this guy's a world champion in Formula One. I mean, if he if he put that much effort in it, could he be, could he win the thousand? Oh yeah, absolutely. I think so. I think someone like that has, they've developed certain, um, frameworks and certain ways of just focus and, and concentration and living their life that if, uh, they have a way of blocking out all other distractions that I think that if somebody like that wanted to do anything, they could do it. It, It's, it's something that like mere mortals haven't had that kind of intense focus mm-hmm. on one particular thing for that long. You know, I think that's an acquired skill set, uh, a way of living life. And so in a lot of ways, um, they have kind of a, a leg up on everybody else if they turn their attention to something else. Yeah. Um, now, that said, Baja is a, Baja is a beast, right? Uh, yeah. Any kind of off-road racing, there's so many different variables that you can't, control or plan around. I mean, you, you have a lot of those in any form of racing, you know, uh, formula one obviously has tons of stuff that they have to work around, including, you know, really, really intelligent competition, uh, and budgets and, and all that kind of stuff. But you have a, a bigger team of experts typically helping you. And, uh, yeah. I would say a smaller, uh, section or cross section of, of obstacles where in Baja there's a bajillion things that pop up and, and you usually don't have as many people or as much time to deal with things. Right. And so yeah. you have to learn a different type of skill set of how to overcome that stuff, how to, how to make good decisions very quickly. Um, yeah. But yeah, I have no doubt that if he decided he wanted to go at this full board, he could be great at it. Yeah. Well, it's, you're not doing 70 laps of the same course. <clears throat> you're doing a course that's, that's different today than it was yesterday. Right. Just, well, so, you're yeah. only seeing the 70 laps they do on Sunday. You're not seeing. Yeah. That's true. Laps but I've doing course. Yeah. Yeah. And virtual yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't really do that. Baja. How do you learn to deal with, with, the Baja course with with the fact that you have a note that says this, but that may or may not be true when you go around the corner. I think that's how, it how, right there. 
Is it in the back of your head? Uh, and I'm no expert in this yet, right? Like I've only done a handful yeah. of races in, in the off-road where I've done, I don't know, 80, 85. I don't know how many rallies I've done now. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't say I'm an expert there, but I'm much more comfortable there, right? But like at least in rally, yeah. you got to do recce and you make very detailed notes and you go back and you go back over your notes again and you watch video and you tighten them up as much as you can, try to memorize as much of the video as you can. Uh, you know, obviously it's not as easy as like a two and a half mile course like Mid-Ohio that's got X number of corners, but it's still easier than, than Baja. And you can kind of, um, uh, you know, relatively speaking, what to expect, right? Things can yeah. always happen. So like we had a rally last weekend and uh, it was um, kind of chaotic. You know, we ran, it was the first all night rally I've ever done. We started at like eight o'clock at night and... Oh. They would have finished at like 4:30. We end up having a DNF, um, but like the last two, two no, sorry, the last stage, like with a mile left to go in the race, uh, the top two or three cars come around the corner. So it's a gravel rally, but there's a section that's tarmac, and they come around the blind corner. And of course, they've already run that stage two other times. They've got great notes, but this time, mile from the finish, there's a huge chunk of concrete from a culvert that somebody had hit. And, and didn't like remove the concrete, you know, so it's this humongous chunk of concrete in the middle of the tarmac and they're coming around sideways at hundred mile an hour and have to like on the fly figure out what to do. And we nearly took out the top three cars. You know, one of them got damaged uh, rear control arm and, and tire. Another one broke the wheel and stuff, dragging it through the, the ditch, trying to evade it. You know, it's and rally. You think that you have plans and, and you know what's coming, but, there's yeah. always a chance to come around a corner at 100%, 105%, and, and there's something there. So yeah. the difference with Baja, though, is that you kind of have to expect that all the time. You so, know, and I, I yeah. yeah. So your 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 mind is is it always ready for something to go to hell? I think in Baja it is. I think yeah. we get a little. I don't want to say lazy, but maybe a little complacent in rally that. Yeah. Complacent in the sense that uh, it's safe for me to to commit a hundred percent on this corner, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because I don't think anything's ever on that corner because I've gone around a thousand other corners and nothing's been there, and that's you know yeah. sometimes can be dangerous then because yeah. you're you know at the top level, and granted U.S. rally is nothing like European rally like those guys yeah. are a whole other level, uh, you know, but the top I don't know five percent of drivers in the U.S. You know, they're fully committing to every corner. And, yeah, occasionally you'll come around and there's a huge chunk of concrete. <laughs> in the way. <laughs> and and Baja, those guys are getting, you know, if you look at, like, Bryce Menzies and, and those guys at that, the very tip top, I think they're getting much closer to running kind of that full commitment all the time, mm-hmm. uh, like we do in Rally. You know, I don't yeah. know if you were to talk to them if they're saying, yeah, you know, we're at 100% or if, if they're at, 95 or 97 percent and it's just that they're 95 or 97 percent is so much higher than the rest of us i I don't know but i I would have to think that they're still leaving a little bit in reserve you know because you could go out you know we could go pre-run for two weeks and every time you see the same corner it's slightly different you know especially then race day because you know you get whatever however many vehicles that have done pre-running before you and then the, the trucks that are in front of you during the race they blow out a corner you know, so what used to be really tight and narrow and you had to be real careful now, you don't have to worry about it at all because it's super wide and it's all been blown out. You know? yeah. um, it's like, why even bother? Right. 
Well, now so we, what are yeah. a, what are you think, looking for when you're when you're pre-running and you're taking your notes? I mean, what are you, I mean, obviously you're you're looking for there's a big ass rock here, but are at least in your mind are you thinking okay, this 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 corner could get all blown out. Do you think about that stuff too? Yeah. Or are I, you just focusing on what's there? No. I mean, maybe a little bit. Um it's hard though. You can't, it's hard to speculate on the notes and say, "Well, I think that it's going to be this way come race day." Because what happens if it's not? Yeah. You know. Um, so typically, we'll call it the way that we see it now, and okay. and then if it gets blown out, all right, great, you can romp on it a little bit harder as we come around. Yeah. But I think there's a couple different layers uh, when it comes to what you're looking for. You know, I coming from a rally background, I don't want to focus on the tree that could that we could hit. You know, or mm-hmm. the the giant exposure. Like yeah. I, I you know, when you're whether you're a road racer or whatever else, you, you look where you want to go. Right? Yeah. Your eyes go yeah. where the car's gonna go. And so the last, yeah. last thing I want to do, you know, as a co driver is draw your attention to this thing that I don't want you to pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you looking yeah. the exposure. Yeah. You know, so yeah. uh, when I'm writing notes and stuff, it's more about uh what's What's the line that I want you to drive or that we want to drive? Where do you want okay. to be over this crest? Do you want to be, you know, it, it was one of those things when I first started in the desert, I, I was just blown away at how little was in the notes. You know, basically mm-hmm. the only thing that I was hearing in the notes were the dangers, you know, like, oh, rock on right, rock on left, G out, uh, you know, exposure right. And I'm like, how does this help you go fast? I mean, it may, it may keep you from dying, right? You maybe yeah. missed that long. But I, but it's kind of counter to what I want to give you. I don't want to tell you there's a rock on the right. I want to tell you to stay in on the left, right? And and how to drive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was all these crests that would never get called, and so you know the drivers were awesome because they were just inherently like they'd come up to it and kind of put the throttle to give themselves a little safety margin. I'm like, it doesn't need to be that way. You know, we spend yeah. four weeks doing pre-running. We should. You know, be noting that crest. What's on the other side of it? Is, is it flat? Like, can we just go straight over it at 140 mile an hour? Uh, if we if we want to go 140 over it, do we need to be slightly left, slightly right? Like, we're here. Let's make that note now, right? So my goal is, uh, you know, if you're going to spend that time doing recce or, or pre-running or whatever, let's do all the hard work now up front, right? Let's yeah. do look the mental work while we're fresh, while we can come out here after a good night's sleep. And let's string together notes that that give you a visual of, of the line that you need to race. So that when it comes race day, you know, and you're tired because we've we just lost seven hours doing a transmission change or something else, you know, now it's three o'clock in the morning instead of six o'clock in the evening. Uh, you don't have to think or process too much about, well, okay, Ryan's telling me this is a, a medium right and then there's a crest. No, Ryan's telling me where to place the truck. You know, like I just have to execute. I don't have to think. Um, yeah. I mean, that's how we do it in rally. You know, uh, yeah. or at least that's that's how I'm trying to get my notes. There's there's kind of two schools of thought when it comes to your pace notes. Or uh, you either have like stage notes that describe the road, or you have pace notes that describe how you're going to drive the road. I very much prefer a, a pace note style. Mm-hmm. Again, because you've got a day or two to build all of that out. And then all you have to do is execute on the day of racing. Right. Yeah. Do, how long does it take a driver and a, and a co-driver to get synced up? I think it really depends on 
the dry. It depends on that 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 pairing. Mm-hmm. I've had uh, drivers that you just like click with immediately, and you know, hopefully you've done your homework up front and kind of come up with a, an agreed upon lexicon. Like you know, this is the vocabulary we're going to use. Um, so there's no, no ambiguity, and we just decided on these are the terms that we use. When I say this, it means this, and mm-hmm. if you can you can come to terms with that pretty quickly, then you know you can really start clicking. You know, I had a, a driver in rally that uh, we we raced together for I don't know three years, four years, and uh, we were really good together. And it really wasn't it didn't have anything to do with me. He is just a phenomenal driver. You know, all I had to do was keep up with him and, and keep feeding him the information and, and he could do everything else himself. But, you know, a year or two into it, you know, we were talking, he's like, it's really cool because we're to the point now where I don't hear you. You know, I don't hear you talking. You're the voice in my head. Wow. Like, so it's not like I hear you saying, you know, right for uh, overcrest, tightens off camber, late, blah, blah, blah. And I, I have to hear that and then process it in my head. You are that voice in my head. And that's really cool. <laughs> and then driver and I've been listening with the last uh, three or four rallies. We're getting to that point now too. Where he's you know, the other did this event in Michigan last month and uh, we were talking to a well, it was the stunt coordinator and, and his co driver. They're new, they've only done three events. And so we were kinda trying to mentor them a little bit. And uh, about how to deliver notes and all of that kind of stuff. And and Chris, my driver, was saying, he's like, you know, you get to the point where uh, you know what the other person needs. And so I can tell, you know, because I got my head down the whole time. I should. Yeah. I, I shouldn't be looking out the road at all. You're, you're feeling everything with your butt, like how much you're sliding. Okay, sliding this way, that means that was that left six I called two corners ago. Now mm-hmm. it's going to be that right five that I called. And, and you just, you learn the driver and, and know when they get off their game, you know, like maybe the car steps out a little bit too much and yeah. you can hear him breathing harder trying to collect it or whatever else. And you know, like, okay, whatever it was I just said, he just blanked on that, right? He doesn't, he's not going to remember that call because he had to, to catch the, the, the car. Yeah. And you learn when to then repeat a call. And that's one of the things he said when you're talking to that, that other couple. It's like, you know, I never had to ask for a repeat. It's like he just knew when I was going to need it. And that's, you know, again, I've done, I don't know, 80-some rallies or whatever, so I think it's something you just pick up with experience uh, and, and with riding with uh, with someone yeah. long enough. Or riding, you know, I don't know how many drivers I've ridden with now, like uh, 12, 18, something like that. And so you kind of, uh, you learn what different people need. You know, a lot of times I'm, I'm like a psychologist in the car. <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. drivers are drivers can be very um, fickle. You know, in what they want, and when yeah. they want it, and they can be very hard on themselves or hard on you. Uh, and I think where I'm maybe have a leg up on other people is that a I've ridden with a lot of different people, but then I'm also a driver, and so I can understand from that side of the car what I would need, why I would need it, or why I would be upset. You know, or when. I, when I need to pick me up versus when I need to just let them sit there and stew in their yeah. mistake for a while and then bring them back up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, a lot of mind games that go on as well. Yeah, I mean, and that kind <clears throat> kind of ties in. Adventure racing teams are like that. That team dynamic, you know, you know, it's just usually four people instead of two. Um, do you 
So th- nobody's around you, so you can answer this honestly. <laughs> so I always ask my adventure race friends this because in adventure racing, it, it time is so compressed that you know it's like you're ten year been friends for ten years after a week long race. Right. Yep. That, that compression and the tension. Do you have co-drivers that know things about you that your wife doesn't? That's a good question. <laughs> um, hmm. I don't know that they know anything that my wife doesn't know, but I think that they they have a different, probably a different take on me. Like it, yeah, because the, the relationship dynamic is completely different. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. It's, but it's weird too because depending on the time of the of like a rally weekend, my role um, is different. You know, there's times that I kind of stay, I, I step back and it's all about the driver and they get to shine and blah blah blah. And then there's other times that I am alpha male and what I say goes. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the person paying the bills. You're paying me to do this, so shut up and mm-hmm. listen to me. You know. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of flux there in in my role, and I don't know that I have that same. Uh, and maybe I should in my marriage. <laughs> I should kind of look <laughs> at the job of, of shifting in and out of those roles. Uh, yeah. So I think yeah, I don't know if they know anything about me that she doesn't know, but uh, it's just the relationship or the side of me they see is probably different. Yeah, I I would I kind of figured you, that you didn't because I've. I've seen some texts from your wife about certain things, and yeah, you guys don't hide anything. No, 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 I don't think that. <laughs> but I don't think you and the Rocket Man, and <laughs> right. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I sent that to her immediately. I'm like, hey, yeah. <laughs> so there's this guy these, who's these really going to be good at bikes, and he, he's got me in his sights. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just warning you ahead of time. <laughs> yep. So, don't believe yeah. anything here. Yeah. <laughs> These are some of my favorite episodes where we get to talk about a whole bunch of things that, like, three other people in the world know what we're talking about. Exactly. <laughs> Our own instructions. Yep. So, do you, I mean, when when you get, like, a new driver or, you know, how long, I mean, does it, do you usually have time to, you know, get to know each other or is there, are there the times where you just show up and do it? Uh, no, it's typically like at least the first time, you know, it's yeah. you just show up and yeah. all right, just met you and I don't know you, but I'm <laughs> for whatever reason, I decided to trust my life in your hands. Let's hope this wasn't a mistake. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's funny. The very first time I got paid to co-drive, it was a guy I'd never met and it was, I'm in Ohio and, and the rally was in, uh, which one was it? I think we did Oregon, I think. Forget if it was Oregon or Olympus. And so I go out there. I got a flight. I go out, and I, get, I land, get the rental car, and I go to meet the guy and can't reach him at all for, like, hours. And I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, I've never <laughs> met the guy. I don't know what he looks like, and I can't get a hold of him. You know, and so and I'm like, and now I get to, you know, if he shows up, I'm going to spend the rest of the weekend with this guy who's, you know, ghosting me. Yeah. Uh, and it turned out, you know, obviously, like, it was fine and there was just some things happened and miscommunication or whatever else. But, you know, you have those times where you're like, what am I getting myself into? You know, I've been mm-hmm. in a car twice with people who were supposed to be decent drivers 
you know, like we go do shakedown, which is kind of like a test before the event. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, this guy can't drive to save his life. Like, this is sketchy, you know? Um, but the drivers that you, you know, obviously don't uh, mesh with everybody, like, perfectly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the ones that you stick with, then, yeah, you become, it's like you said, that a weekend compresses all this time now. It's like a year's worth of mm-hmm. obstacles come. Yeah. Uh, and so you're pretty friends with most people. Yeah. So who are the bigger who are the, <clears throat> who are the biggest prima donnas rally drivers or desert drivers? Uh, well, I don't know a lot of desert <laughs> drivers. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would call sports have the prima donnas. Now, what's interesting though is I think I don't think prima donnas last very long rally. Yeah. Um, which is funny. There's this weird thing, right, where rally is not cheap. Right. The reason I co-drive in rally is because I can't afford to drive in it, and I mm-hmm. drive in road racing because I can afford at that level, you know. But I can't afford to do both, so I co-drive mm-hmm. in rally. Um, but then, like, then you go look at the desert stuff, and it's like a whole other, you know, factor of ten as far as <laughs> stuff go. Um, yeah. And in rally, you'll see a lot of these guys that they'll, they'll come in, they'll jump in full bore, and just throw a bunch of money down and build open class or buy open class cars. And they're around for an event or two, and then they sell everything at a loss, and you, you never see them again. Hmm. And you know, most of them think that either it was more difficult than they thought it was going to be, uh, or they didn't get the results. They you know, thought they could just, you know, maybe they were successful yeah. in business or whatever, and so they think they can just spend the money and come in and dominate. You know, rally is entirely too complicated. Yeah. And the same thing in the desert. Uh, but it seems like those. And again, I haven't been around it as much, but it, it seems like, or at least my vantage point, that those people don't fade out of the desert as quickly as they do in rally. And I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know. If they're just more stubborn, or they have deeper pockets, or it's just a different mentality that's even attracted to off road at all. Like they already know that it's going to be harder. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it seems like the prima donnas in rally don't last very long. Plus, it's such mm-hmm. just like off road. It's a pretty small community, so if you're you know, like no one's gonna want to hang out with you. You know. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I I think maybe in the desert they don't ever get there. You know, Palmer says ninety percent of all trophy trucks never get built. So no. yeah, you're absolutely right. They may There's not a lot get of, there. A lot of that in rally too, but yeah, I would say yeah. even worse in uh, off road. You know, just the amount of logistics and and all that stuff. You know, you can't be, unless you're uber rich and you can just buy people, you can't be that way and expect anybody to want to hang out with you for a couple of weeks in the desert. You know, there's enough, mm-hmm. as much of an adventure as it is, there's enough stuff that's uncomfortable that you're not going to want to do that for somebody that you can't stand. Yeah. You know, yeah. even if they're paying you and they're paying you a lot, that only goes so far. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of people that nobody can stand, how how did you meet Palmer? <laughs> <laughs> and people that's a joke because if, if you can't get along with mike palmer then it's your fault <laughs> exactly exactly you know he's like one of the nicest guys i've ever met uh yeah so i met well it actually starts from rally so i started rallying and at some point i was well early on the, the guy I first started rallying with he had a focus and we were um, after a year or so, we were having we were fighting with these uh, guys out of well, the owner is in uh, Charlotte, and he had a Lancer, and his co-driver is Doug Nagy, who lives out in Southern California. 
And so we became friends through Rally, and I was always bugging him. Once I heard that he was doing off-road stuff, I'm like, hey, I know nothing about it. You know, I've seen Dust of Glory, and that's the extent of my knowledge on it. Um, Me too. I, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks awesome, but I'm in Ohio. There's not a lot of desert here. Yeah. Uh, if there's ever any sort of opportunity, let me know. I'll come down. I just want to experience it, learn it, whatever. Well, it took a year or two of me begging Doug uh, every time I saw him. And eventually, uh, he was going to Nora with JT Taylor. And so JT and I and Doug went and did Nora. Um, I forget what year that was, like 2014 or 15 in his rock crawler. And Doug and JT rolled it like hit a cactus and destroyed it 30 miles before I was supposed to get in. Yeah. So I'm like, thanks. Uh, but you know, I got to, it was kind of cool because I, I, it was a peninsula run and we still drove, you know, we towed the pieces back down the, to the bottom of the peninsula and I got to kind of see a, at a, a slower pace how it all worked. Well then mm-hmm. the next year, uh, Nora came around and I went with those same guys uh, when JT had that bug and I, he and Doug raced, and finally it's my turn to hop in and co-drive for JT. And we, I get in, and there's like this section of tarmac before you get back out on the, uh, the course, the dirt course. And it's like 20 miles long, and right before we're to turn off on the dirt, the motor road, let's go. So the only dirt I saw was the shoulder of the road as we coasted. That's <laughs> the next year. And we're going to go do Nora with JT, and uh, same little bug. And we went, and it was great. And I co-drove for Doug, I co-drove for JT. Uh, I was in the car when um, Doug tried to pull the little circus stunt and drive it on two wheels. Um, but unfortunately, uh, so we were up on his side, and you know he's really tall, and he has a really big head. Mm-hmm. And my not enough to overcome the, the lever, which was his head. So we took over. JT was not very happy about that. Uh, <laughs> But there was some Mexicans there that rolled it back over for us, and we ended up winning our class that year. And for whatever reason, both of those guys, both Doug and JT, and you know, JT has a um, big following and a lot of respect in that community. Uh, both like we're like you're the best co-driver I've ever had. This was amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, uh, you know, I don't know what I was doing, but it worked. <laughs> so uh, I don't remember if that was. Oh, sorry. So the fall before that. Uh, JT and uh, or maybe it was Doug was going to go down and help service for uh, Palmer. Mm. And so I had gone down and chased for Palmer that that yeah. thousand so that November uh, and met the guy and you know met his team and all that kind of stuff and hung out at the ranch yeah. kind of like you know we always do. Um, so yeah. the first time I met him. Well, then you fast forward to the following spring and I finally got in the car and you know went well with Doug and JT and so apparently JT had told Mike. And so at some point, Mike gets a hold of me and he's like, hey, do you want to co-drive in the truck for Spencer? And <laughs> I'm like, duh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me think. So yeah, so then that next year, or that, that thousand, I got to sit in with Spencer and it was a, a blast. It was actually one of my favorite trips because it was me and Spencer and, uh, and Sean, his son, and Javier, and we had the green weenie and Sapo. And we're just out on our own, pre-running, camping underneath the stars. Sean's making Molotov cocktails and like nearly blowing himself up. I mean, it was it was a blast, and uh, and you know we got a we got a finish out of that, which was really cool. 
And so it's funny because all in one year, I went, it was my first time racing in the desert, and I went from winning a class in a, um, a basically a class 11 Volkswagen bug that has, you know, four inches of suspension travel, and half of that is your spine. <laughs> you know, and then the fall, I'm yeah. in a full blown trophy truck. Like, it was, that was really awesome. That's very, that's a cool story. Did you bring, um, did you bring rally notes to the desert? I tried did, to. You, yeah. So do, I, do you think that was a little bit different for him and that it's, and that's why it, it seemed to work so well? I don't think it hurt anything. Uh, yeah. I, I will say that I think I was a little, maybe a little cocky. Um, yeah. So the, the fall before the, the previous thousand, uh, at some point, Mike and fish were out pretty running, you know, and Mike's pre runner is a three exceeder. And at mm-hmm. some point Mike's like, Hey Ryan, why don't you hop in and, and ride with us? And so I'm all geeking out and you know, your butt's clenching like every other corner. Cause you're <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, we're going to die because you can't do this kind of stuff in a rally car, which is, yeah. you know, and yeah. you spontaneously combust. Um, but once you get over that, I, I was just floored at like how few notes that they were taking and, and, uh, and all of that. And so I'm like, oh man, I could, we could totally do this rally style. And so I come in the following year when I sat with Spencer and tried doing that. And what I learned was, uh, you know, like what we were talking about earlier about like the corners getting blown out, you know, like in rally, a right three is a right three is a right three. Well, yeah. the desert may start as a right three, but by the time you get there for race day, it's a right five plus. You know, um, and there's just no way. I shouldn't say there's no way because I've seen Nasser's notes, I've seen some of the other guys' notes, and they do write like full blown rally notes. Um, I've not figured out how to do that yet in the desert. Yeah, and, and I constantly stay on the notes. Um, yeah, because I think what people should know is like you're you guys are blasting through the desert. You know, not race pace, but you're not crawling, and and you're trying to type on an iPad and see what's going on and it's like I don't know how you do it. Right. Yeah. I don't know how you don't I don't know how you don't get sick to start with. Because you're never looking out, right? Um during the very day, uh, I'm looking out a lot. Uh yeah. just because we don't we don't have as many notes as we do in Rally. Yeah. No in Rally, no. I'm I'm down in the book yeah. the whole time and you're just kind of feeling it like I said before like with your butt in the in the, the car sliding. But no I look up a lot in the desert. Yeah. Do you, how do you, I mean, have you always had that ability, let's say like in rally to, because most people cannot like not look up without getting sick. I mean, could you always do that or did you learn to do it, train yourself oh, to do no, it? No, thank God. I've never had any sort of motion sickness at all. Yeah. My wife is the exact opposite. Um, she can't read anything without yeah. feeling ill. Even uh-huh. driving around a, a windy neighborhood and, and looking out, you know, she starts yeah. to feel queasy. So I, I just, I'm very blessed that that's never true <laughs> for me. I know there's a lot of co-drivers that struggle with that. And I'm like, you know what? If I had that and it's as bad as you say, I wouldn't be a co-driver. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It seems like why, why would you put yourself through that? Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, and this, this rally we just had this past weekend, I mean, it was, it was pretty warm, uh, which is why they ran the rally at night, but it wasn't that warm, you know, but it was yeah. humid. And I think there was at least, seven teams that dropped out because either the driver or the co-driver was so violently ill hmm. and they actually had drivers that were getting motion sick which i had never seen before huh. i wonder if that's because it was night maybe yeah if, night, if it threw them off a little bit or something yeah and the guys were you know dehydrated and stuff so 
Yeah. yeah no thanks. Yeah. I could I could say well they were drinking beer all day so they're all dehydrated but I don't think they were. <laughs> no, they were. But they may but they may have not been drinking because they don't you know they're not thinking about it so. Right. Yep. Yeah. So. How did where did where did this speed obsession come from? Were you always like that? Was there something that kicked it off? That I mean, because it it takes a lot to be a racer of any kind. Yeah, um, I mean the the desire to do it has been there for as long as I can remember. Ever since I was a little kid, uh, and when I was little, my grandpa and I would go to like every Friday, every Saturday night, we'd go to the dirt tracks. You know, that's, that's what we have up here, and so. Yeah. Sprint cars are my favorite, you know, wing sprints uh, mm. it's in my blood. And it's funny, I've driven a lot of different stuff and I've, I've only ever turned like four laps in a, in a sprint car. And I'm like, why am I not doing this? <laughs> I mean, that, that would make sense for where you live that you should probably be a dirt racer. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I got into, um, I got into stage rally first. So basically the way it worked is like, I wanted to race ever since I was, old enough to know what okay. racing was. Um, right. But, you know, my family didn't have the money to do that. And if they did, they weren't going to spend it on me to do it. Um, so it just, it was something that was just never attainable. Um, and then I put myself through college and got my first, we'll say like real job and, you know, got to the point where I wasn't living uh, paycheck to paycheck and actually had some extra money. And I'm like, all right, you know, um, the desire is still there and I'm not getting any younger. I have no idea how to do this or how to pursue it, but let's figure it out. And so I kind of stumbled my way through. You know, you think that in hindsight, like I should have just gone to a dirt track and bought a modified or, you know, a mini sprint or something like that, or even a cart, you know. Yeah. I, I've kind of done everything backwards. Uh, but I didn't know how to start, so I was – I don't even know how I found it. It was like an ad or something. There was an SCCA rallycross where they basically just like drive around cones in a field. Mm. And so there was one, I don't know, like an hour and a half west of, I live in Columbus and it was in, uh, outside of Dayton. And so I drove out there one Saturday and I had a, a GTI at the time. And I just went out to, to watch, like to see what it was and kind of learn. Like I wasn't going to drive my car because I needed to drive it to work on Monday. <laughs> so I get out there and the guys are like, oh, you got to drive. I'm like, no, I'm not. Like, yeah, you got to drive. No, I'm not. Well, as it turned out, there was a guy there that had bought a $300 um, what was that? A Nissan Altima on a junkyard. So like it <laughs> through the back window. So the back window was this garbage bag. It was an automatic. It was on bald tires and it had, you know, those automatic seat belts that were like mm -hmm. on a track. Yeah. It had oh that. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so he showed up with that and it became, it was like the rental car. So if you paid, you know, I don't know, it was like $25 to race. If you paid another $25, you could race in it. I'm like, well, shoot, I'll do that. So I did that, and it, you know, it was fun. It was, I mean, it's not like Baja, but it's better than sitting yeah. put on your thumbs, yeah. you know, on a Saturday. So I did that once or twice, and uh, I, it's funny. I, I went to the barber, and I get my hair cut, and I'm, I'm talking to my barber about this. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm doing this this rally thing, state or uh, uh, rally cross, and uh, he's like, you know, I think I cut hair of another guy who does this rally thing. I'm like, well, wait, do you mean like rally rally, like real rally or this stupid stuff I'm doing? He's like, well, what you just called rally rally, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, put me in touch. So, you know, fast forward a, a month and I go to get my hair cut again. He's like, oh, I got that guy's uh, information for you. Here it is. 
and I hate cold calling people or email. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not my thing. But I went ahead and I sucked it up and I shot this guy an email, and it turns out he is into to rally rally, um, which is you know stage rally. Shows you how much I knew back then. Uh, and he had a, a Ford Focus at the time that he had built in his garage. And so he lived, you know, 10 miles north or whatever in town. And so every Saturday I'd go and I'd help wrench on his car. And while we were wrenching, he's teaching me everything about rally, like how the timing works, how just how the whole sport works, the history, all that kind of stuff. And so after, I don't know, I think I'd been helping him for like three or four weeks, there was a rally in Pennsylvania, SDPR. And one of the guys that he raced with um, needed crew. So he put me in touch and I drove out to PA and had never met any of these people before, never been to a rally before, but they were super cool and took me under the wing and taught me all this other stuff. And I crewed for them and I'm like, this is awesome. Well, uh, uh, my friend Andrew, who had the focus, his co-driver at the time was Michael Fordyke. And uh, so Michael, right about the time that I slotted into this whole scenario, Michael had just bought uh, his TDI golf rally car and so he was transitioning from being andrew's co-driver to being a driver himself which vacated andrew's co-driver seat and so you know there's a the next rally was in august and uh, it was rally west virginia and i'm uh, you know andrew needed a co-driver and i just kind of raised my hand i'm like i don't know anything but what you taught me (laughs) are you a good teacher (laughs) right we'll see how good you are uh you know but i'd be willing to do it if if you'll have me and he did, and you know, and the way it worked out is I basically paid like half of the entry and half of the hotel and half of, you know, our our crew expenses and all that kind of stuff, and uh, that's how I got started. And uh, so we did three rallies that year, three the next, I think three the next year, and then we went and did WRC Mexico uh, as a national uh, entry, and we won the national. You know, we had a, a lot of help. There was a lot of attrition. Um, but yeah. that went kind of catapulted me into like for some reason people thought that I could co-drive them right because we won this big event. Uh, you know, truth be told, everybody else broke or crashed or whatever. But you know, at the end of the day, there are four trophies in the world that are identical. Sebastian Loeb and, and Daniel Elena have two, and Andrew and I have the other two. So. <laughs> You know, that's right. You, you just have to show the trophy. You don't have to tell the backstory. Exactly. <laughs> so it's funny then that the way I got into road racing was that same guy that had that crappy rental car, that Ultima. Mm-hmm. Well, this was back in the day before Facebook was a thing, and like we still had automotive forums, and like everything took place on the forums. Yeah. Well, I had started following some rallycross forum. And I saw that Jim, the guy that had that rental car, uh, had asked some other guy on the forum if he would come crew for him because he had just bought a road race car. And so I sent the guy a private message and like, you know, I don't know squat uh, at all. I can, you know, I can torque wheels and I can wash windshields and that's about it. But I'll do whatever else you need and I'll crew for you. And so he's like, yeah, sure, come along. So that whole year when I first started rallying, I also was crewing for for Jim in regional SCCA races. Uh, and then as a thank you at the end of the year, uh, he was going to let me use his car to go get my SCCA road racing license the following spring. And I'm like, well, that's awesome. But no, I can't do that because what if I crash your car? Like, I can't know. I just feel too bad, blah, blah, blah. 
but it was the impetus I needed to I went and I bought my own car. And so then I still did go get my road racing license. And so it all, it's all because of that one little rally cross and that one guy with that piece of crap <laughs> automatic <laughs> Altima with the automatic uh, seatbelts. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how it's all, it just all evolved. You know, it all came out of that silly little rally cross and my conversation with my barber and then making that uncomfortable phone call and. It, it's it, the things of life come down to making those uncomfortable phone calls. <laughs> yeah, well, but you know, it's easier nowadays because you just you just send the email. This is true. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I'm, I'm, or a text. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty bad about making that phone call, but. Uh, but I, I do. So. I look back and I'm like, okay, all this stuff that's been really cool and worthwhile and different than what other people do, and you know, their day to day life has come from taking that. It's not even a real risk, right? It's just a perceived risk of a stupid phone call or yeah. or paying to like go show up at something and do something with somebody you've never met before. Yeah. You know, um, being willing to risk a week or two of your vacation or, or whatever and, and see what happens, and you know, and it's worked out well so far. Yeah, well, I would think so. So we'll start to wrap up here because I don't want to take all your time. <laughs> What? So, of all the things you do, what would what would be the one thing you want to win? Oh, geez. Well, so I have very <laughs> lofty um, ambitions. So, as a driver, I still want to run. I would love to run the Rolex Twenty Four and win a class. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Le Mans. And those are technically doable if you like become rich. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe you could you could do that. Uh, but yeah, winning the thousand would be unbelievable. Yeah, you know um, that would be. But I, I don't. I mean, I would take it as a co-driver. But again, at the end of the day, I'm a driver at heart who just co-drives yeah. because I'd rather co-drive than sit at home. Yeah, but that's not my. That's not the end of my ambition. Like I want to be. A driver, yeah. Uh, but yeah, to to drive to a win, a class win in a thousand, would be at right up there at the top. I, I could see that. It's. Um, do you think being a really good co-driver hurts hurts being able to drive? I don't know. Um, I don't. I think it hurts maybe in the way that people perceive you, like they mm-hmm. only see you as a co-driver. Um, but honestly, until you prove that you can drive, then, you know, that's all you are is a good (laughs) co-driver. Um, I think it gives me a leg up in rally at least. And that, uh, I've been able, well, honestly, both rally and off-road because I've been able to learn a lot on other people's dollars, you know, like going and helping Palmer and co-driving for Palmer. I see all of the work that goes into it. And when I don't living in Ohio, I don't see all the work, right? Like those in uh, and the guys work so hard in Colorado every single yeah. day. Uh, yeah. But, you know, if you were just, if I didn't have that vantage point and just was, you know, someday come into a windfall of cash and be like, I'm going to go run the thousand, I would have no clue. Right. <laughs> and I have a much better yeah. understanding of all of the sacrifice, all of the, the logistics, all of the equipment, all of the, uh, just think of all the relational dynamics that you have to deal with if you need to bring 20 or 30 people to come help you. Like, I don't yeah. know 30 people that I could get to come help. <laughs> you know, even if I had money. 
Uh, so, you know, I think I can go into that much more uh, eyes wide open. And on rally, I think I have a big head up, uh, a big leg up on, say, like a new driver, and that there's kind of this epiphany that you have, or that unfortunately most U.S. rally drivers haven't had yet, of like what a car can actually, what it, what a car is actually capable of doing on gravel. You know, like I had that epiphany running race slicks for the first time on a, on a road course. You know, you think you're going fast, but at some point you. you transition from what you thought was fast to like actually using all of the tire and and sliding through the corners not in like a dramatic like form of yeah. drift sort of thing but like the actual proper like drift where the tires are at maximum adhesion and, and you're really using the whole car um, I, I've had that epiphany as a driver of road racing and I've seen it uh, on, on gravel I've not been able to drive a car like that on gravel yet um, no. But I know what's cap- what, what's actually capable of happening, uh, and so many, so many of these other drivers don't. Like they just, you know, there's. It's like a saying with Formula One cars. You know, those cars work amazing at 200 mile an hour, but you try to drive a Formula One car at 85 mile an hour, and it's the worst handling piece of crap ever. <laughs> yep. It's the same thing with uh, with a properly set up rally car on gravel. You know, you or I go take a, a rental Camry and drive around on a gravel road to do recce. You might think you're going fast because you're sliding around a little bit on gravel. And so that's rental yeah. car fast at like 35 mile an yeah. hour. Well, in the rally car, you know, that yeah, there's that, that 35 mile an hour fast. You're, like, you're just kind of sliding a little bit and it's kind of like, ugh. But come race day, you should actually be doing 85 on that corner. And 85 mile an hour in that corner, the car is so much more stable and planted and there's so much more grip than the car at 35. And yeah. unfortunately... I would say at least half of the U.S. rally field hasn't doesn't have that understanding and hasn't made that epiphany. Yet. Um, you know, a lot of them need to go spectate some fast corners yeah. or go ride yeah. with a fast guy to, to learn what can really be done and and have mm-hmm. the, that epiphany, and they would all be so much faster. <laughs> <laughs> well, a crash into the trees trying to get to there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see what. Garage band doing something. It's still working though. Um, okay, so when you get your Daytona ride, I want to be there. That's, that's, that, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to. That's my. That's on my bucket list. Is the 24. So, you know, I get to go down to Florida for the C to C adventure race, but it's like two weeks after the 500 and two weeks before the 24, basically. So it's like. Okay. God, if they were just like a week apart, I could, yeah, you, you could, know, I could, you could stay. It could make that set. So, okay, um, two more things. And everybody knows when I say two more things, it could be 10 more things. But, um, all right, so I figured it out. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Ish, ish, yeah. You're, ish. You're yeah. four or three, but yeah. Yeah, but, but. Hey, I've been watching videos. Good. <laughs> I got to teach Paulette, so I've been watching videos. <laughs> well, and if she, like, offline, if she wants to talk about that stuff, we definitely can. Um, yeah. I know you had sent me some stuff about the time, speed, distance stuff, and hopefully you yeah. talked to Hordike about that, because that's up his wheel wagon, yeah. but, um, yeah. wheel wagon, wagon wheel, however that saying goes. Yeah. 
whatever. Pitches, uh, yeah. But when it comes to like writing notes or whatever, yeah, I can help her with that. Yeah, I but don't I, think they actually have to write a lot of notes, but yeah, they would, it, I think anything. I mean, you know, her 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 motorsports background is the same as her Star Wars, because her driver Jesse is a. I mean, the Art Trooper is named after one of the Star Wars characters, whatever. <laughs> So when I had him on, I asked Paul, "Can you name one Star Wars character?" <laughs> she got Darth Vader, but okay, so her, so her motor knowledge is the same. But just just doing this stuff, she's you know picking up route books pretty good and good. Um, yeah, I think they're gonna. But just you know, she's the kind of person that just talking to somebody else helps a lot for her. So um, yeah, so. Yeah. You, oh, the word I was me. looking for? Not wagon wheel. Wheelhouse. It's Michael's wheelhouse. wheelhouse. There. Yeah. There you, you go. You can edit that. No, I don't, I don't edit. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> the, the, the only, I think I said this last week, but the only good thing about the pandemic is my podcast now sounds as good as everybody else's because everybody else has to use Zoom and stuff. So. <laughs> and better than some professional ones where... Um, my volume is down here. And the other person is up here. It's like it's basic leveling people. It's not that it's hard. It's like I can do it. It's not that hard. Um so here's my last thing. Do you listen to Dinner with Racers the podcast? I have it saved and I've not listened to it yet. I have too many podcasts. Do you recommend right it? Oh god, I love it. I'm I'm about ready to 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 start over. Oh really? So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And I've never re listened to any podcast, but and I don't know if I'd listen to all the episodes, but some of them are just because they get these guys on here that, you know, they're they're telling stories. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been yeah. fortunate. I've, I've got to meet some really cool older, older gentlemen racers. And, yeah, the yeah. stories they have are just epic. Yeah, that it would my other bucket list. And it probably won't happen would be have a off road podcast to get those people to talk. But because there isn't one. There's not an off-roading podcast. Yeah, there should be. Because think about all the stories. I mean, we're nobody special. Think of all the stories we have. Yeah. Well, I tried to get all the Campbells, but I think they're busy. I don't know doing what. But, you know, I, I should just do a Shannon Campbell podcast. Oh, jeez. Yeah. There you go. Explicit content. <laughs> you get Monster to pay for it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I can make some money. So, all right. Well, this... Um, I, I, for some reason, I don't have shitty guests, but you've been really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I well, it, it, it's kind of funny because it's it's been a, every once in a while you get somebody that's really they're like yes no yes no. Um, I love people like you that just talk, and well, I can be the listeners love people. Just ask my wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the thousand five hundred, if it happens, plan it on going. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah, I, I'm. I don't know about the five hundred thousand. Hopefully, but. Well, I think what's going to happen, happen is the five hundred is not going to happen. They're going to lock it with a thousand, call it a fifteen hundred, and we'll run it next year. <laughs> I, I don't put out a lot of hope that either one is going to happen this year, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I mean, so how many how many rallies races off road have you missed? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to answer because they but, canceled a couple, but I don't know that they were ones that I would have gotten a call for. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 
And then, so this one that we did last weekend was actually supposed to be last month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just keep moving things and slotting things. I was yeah. feel really special. Like in the last week, I've had four different drivers like, hey, what are you doing the rest of the year? You know, everybody is um, kind of chomping at the bit. And because we have an abbreviated uh, season, and you know, there's a handful of events and people have got money stockpiling from yeah. all the events they haven't done. You know, everybody wants to go do whatever's left. And I'm like, this would be great. I, but I can't ride with five different people at the same time. <laughs> and, hey, and I, do, I know we've got three, four, two. You know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we've got two events next month. And, you know, you never know if they're actually going to happen. Yeah. You know, even up until last Thursday, we weren't sure that um, Southern Ohio was going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, so you plan for the two events next month. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. So we had one in, when was that? It was supposed to be March, and it got canceled. I had already done all the work, all the planning, all of everything. Yeah. And they pulled the plug, like, a week out. But, yeah, we were concerned that they were going to do that last Thursday. You know, all the governor had to say was, you know, all outdoor no more. canceled. Or yeah. whatever. There's nothing to but, do. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, you guys are outdoors, and you're fairly social distanced, and so. I mean, yeah. far we've had two events since they've reopened things, and um, I think they went really well. You know, they were with two different organizers. One organizer did a much better job of, of making things easy, but they both tried. Uh, yeah. And I think it went off. It went off without a hitch for the most part. So, all right. Well, I'm going to let you go. I'm hoping, but I'm not holding my breath. I'll see you later this year. So, yeah, but, uh, we, uh, we yeah. can hope. Mexico in February wouldn't be too bad. It's not. <laughs> San Felipe? <laughs> time is not bad. Yeah. Or why don't you come to King of the Hammers? I would like to. Yeah, that's yeah, a, that's I something mean, I would do. That's so far out of, again, I'll use that term, out of my wheelhouse. Like the rock crawling. Uh, yeah. I don't have any experience with it, but it looks cool. But it's not. Yeah. I'm more about going fast than... Yeah. Going slow and methodical, so it's not totally my bag, but I like challenges, and that looks pretty challenging. So that would be so. All right, well, get busy entrepreneuring and find a ride for the twenty-four, and I'll come there. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, thanks, Ryan. It was great. Thanks, Randy. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Bye. So bye. <laughs>